Hey friends, are you unsure of what to say on social media or what to even send in your weekly emails? Well, what if creating content could be easy? Would you be looking for a shortcut to creating consistent content? Yes, consistent content, because you know consistency is key. Well, let me tell you, you are not alone when you feel like you're struggling on what to post or what to write in emails. And we know that you have that product part of your business down. But as you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that to get more people to your products, to buy your products, you need to create great content. Oh, I know, I see. I keep saying content, and that's the dreaded C word. And we can't tell you how many product bosses tell us that they want to create great content for their audience and their customers, but they don't know what to say, or they are so busy, they can't find the time, or they really, really, really don't want to be the face of their brand. Well, no worries, because that's exactly why we created a year of content. It is your shortcut to creating consistent content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayearofcontent.com. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sitap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, product bosses. Did you know that every Wednesday we have a live talk show called Bosses and Breakfast where we chat business, mindset, mom life, and everything in between. It's a really fun time and it feels like a conversation amongst friends. In fact, sometimes we have conversations that we don't necessarily know that they're going to lead to where they lead, but we get such an amazing reaction from our listeners and from our community and from our students that we actually wanted to bring it to you to hear today. Yes, our favorite thing about Bosses and Breakfast is that we get to get together, we get to laugh, we get to be inspired about what's happening, and we get to check in with you and re-motivate you on why you're working so hard. So join us next time. We'd love to see you there. And here's that snippet from one of our shows that got tons of positive response, where we all walked away feeling more inspired and motivated for the week. So let's jump in. Today, we're going to talk about the obstacles or the objections that makers, perhaps bakers or creatives have in their minds when, and, and the things that keep them stuck. So these are mental blocks that might happen for you as you're trying to build your business because you sway towards being a maker or a baker or someone who makes things from their own two hands. So I'm in my mom's maker room. We had a vacation planned in LA for my mom's birthday, which is this weekend and my brother's birthday and my grandma, seeing my grandma. And so my whole family is here. My brother's flying in from Texas. It's going to be incredible. But this is who I was raised by. I was raised by a maker. You know, she mm-hmm. always made things. It was never specific, like one thing that she made. There were sections of time in her life that she made when we were little, puffy paint t-shirts and like, 
t-shirt mm-hmm. dresses and she would make me all my headbands and stuff. And then, you know, when we were a little bit older, she started making bean bags that she sold to like this major kid store here. And then in the recent years, she started doing her, her basket business where it's like Moroccan baskets that are handmade. So the coolest thing about makers is that you can figure out things. My mom figured out all of these different things that she could do. And then the, the, the difference between her and like a hobbyist is if you decide that you want to make it a business, if you want to make money off of it, which is why Etsy has been so successful. And Etsy has been this place over the last, how is it like 20 years? It feels like, but like maybe 15, but I don't know, but basically made it really easy for makers who are slightly Mm -hmm. more crafters to sell their goods online to a bigger reach, a bigger audience. And it, and it overcame the gap of so many people who think I'm not good at business. Cause if I were to ask my mom right now, do you think you're good at business? She would say, I'm not a businesswoman, but I'm a creative. Does anyone else identify with that? That you feel like maybe you're not good at business, but you are a creative. And I think that that's kind of the direction that we do want to keep everybody on to is because not everybody is identifies as maker or crafter, you know, especially if you're not a hobbyist and you're a business person, right? So Jacqueline went to school for, she has a fine arts degree. When I was growing up, I was always known as myself and I have three other sisters, so four girls. I was known as the creative one. I was always reading books. I was always painting. I was always doing crafts. I was the one who would do the iron-on t-shirts for any birthday. You know, I remember my mom, even when I was in college, I was doing those, you know? And then we did one for my dad. And I remember her calling me and being like, Mina, I washed it. And you know, you're supposed to turn them inside out. And it stuck together. I don't think you should sell these to people. And I'm thinking, who am I selling these to? You know, so this just goes to show you my mom really never knew what I was doing ever in my life, you know, but I was known and, uh, and I took like, when you put a flag in the ground, you know, like I was like, okay, I like being known as the creative one. I like being the one that figures out things or does things in a more like creative or, you know, resourceful way, you know, and to do in a, like, it was, I felt like it was my voice in the world. And so for me, when I was starting to get further along into it, it was, it's hard sometimes even as makers um, and creatives to think that you have to lose your identity, you know? And so like for me, when I was getting further into it and becoming a business person, it was just like, but I'm creative. I'm not supposed to be good at business or something, but I'm creative. I don't need to be making money from these things, you know, but I'm creative, you know, and it's just like, you almost feel torn between the two when you don't need to be torn between the two. It's not giving up your identity. You know, I like to give the example because my daughters are very creative. They do a lot of lots of artsy things, but they're also creative in the way that my daughter loves uh, space and NASA. She loves, um, building on Minecraft and Roblox and all those games. But it takes like like how we played Tetris when we are young, you know, the creative problem solving. And then just like, you know, giving the example of like Albert Einstein, he was super creative, you know, but he was a scientist. So we all kind of have to lift this idea that creative or good at business is one or the other, Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's even for me. So growing up, I was raised by a creative and, but in college, it was sort of like you go to college and you become, I don't know what, right. I think I wanted to be a lawyer at some point. And then I wanted to go into advertising because for me, that was creative and 
business or savvy, or it felt like a career. And when I eventually left UC Santa Barbara and transferred to Otis College of Art and Design, which is a four-year art school and became a fashion designer. And then I had a successful business for over a decade at the point that I was like in business for over a decade as a designer for people, as a consultant, as a coach, as someone who had developed over a thousand lines, a thousand fashion brands. I looked at my, and I know a lot of you have heard the story, but I looked at my client who was paying me $10,000 a month to run his business and said, I'm just not good at business. I said it. I said it out loud. This person wouldn't have paid me $10,000 a month if he didn't think that I was obviously good at business and growing his business. And so it was this, it was this eye, eye-opening moment in time where I was like, hold on, I've run a business for 10 years. I have a team, I have an office, people pay me to run their businesses. I realized it was a mindset thing. Because on paper, if I were to write it down, I was successful. I I knew business. I had run a business for over a decade that could pay me and could pay my team and could grow and could help other people. So I think a big thing for a lot of you is like, if you were to write it down on paper, if you were to write down, I make X, I sell X, people pay me money for it. Or you were to even write just the story of you, but don't say your name in it and you were to read it, you may actually look at that and say, oh, actually do know what I'm doing or I am good at business or even though I'm a creative, like I figured this out more than Mm -hmm. other people who haven't figured it out. So I think that's just the first part of talking about that mindset of creative maker don't know enough about business. Should we start on some mindset games? Yeah. (laughs) Exercises. This is like strength training for your brain. Okay. Strength training for your brain because it's a loop of how you think about certain things. So when you exercise, do you just get to exercise and voila, you're fit for life? No, no, my friend. You still have to continue your exercising. You do. Same with your brain. So when your brain goes into certain things like I'm not good at business or we're going to go into some mindset blocks here, you have to continually revisit those. Just like you have to continually exercise to keep your body you know, healthy. Yeah. (laughs) You have to do exercises for your brain. If you continue to limit yourself or be stuck in your thoughts, does that make sense? So we want to know from all of you in the comments. Well, first, if you're a maker, if you're a creative, if you are a baker, you do cookies, you make one of a kind art, custom orders. You started brick and mortar because you're a creative and you like to buy things, you curate things. All of those things are, you know, forms of creative expression, right? So what is keeping you stuck? What's something in your mind that's a mindset thing that you feel like, for example, and I'll give you a couple examples. A few makers that we know have said in the past, I'm a maker, I make my own things and my customers expect them to be made by me, right? So if it's not made by me, my customers will be upset. Has anyone ever thought, what's another one? Let's go into that one really quick. Okay. Because I was, so it was my sister's birthday this past weekend, my, the one that's five years younger than me. And I've accidentally started this, this tradition of going to Molly's Cupcakes to get the most beautiful, delicious cupcakes, right? And so Molly's Cupcakes, I go there, I get like peach cobbler, which by the way, is one of her bestsellers. You know, even in the, the, however cold it is, you can still get peach cobbler cupcakes, okay? Then I get like, what was another one? Creme brulee. That's the one that I always get. It's 
around year round. So I get like two dozen cupcakes. And I was going to show this because I actually took a photo of this price increase notification that they had, that because of certain, certain things being more expensive, they have raised their prices. And I was like, yes, you go Molly, you know? And here's the thing. Never in my brain did I think, did Molly make my cupcakes? Is Molly the one that made these cupcakes? First of all, I don't even know who Molly is, but I know she has more than one. Molly. (laughs) Molly, you back there? You back there in the kitchen? These better have been made by your two hands. And so I know that she has like, she, now I'm talking to her about her like as she's a person, but she has, it's Molly's cupcakes and they have multiple locations. So I know there's one in Eastern Iowa, for example. And I think there's another one. I don't know the background or the story, which goes to show you that I bought into her story of, you know, Molly's cupcakes, but it didn't need to be made by her. And I don't know the full story besides that her cupcakes are amazing. And I know exactly what her bestsellers are. And I buy it for every occasion for me and my sisters, right? So think about that, right? I know that a lot of us think, even if it, especially if it's our namesake or something, that it's called Molly's Cupcakes. I, Molly, must make this with my own two hands. Or people expect that from me, right? So how many of you think that? How many of you think it must be made with my own two hands? These two hands that I have linked to my body. Because my customers expect that from me, right? Whatever the reason is that you have on that back end. So a lot of us will start as a namesake, whether or not your name is in the brand. So Susan Gordon Potter, we would talk about her. We worked with her for years in our mastermind. Susan Gordon started on Etsy, top 1%. Put on the map because of these wavy bowls. But Susan... Did not make this with her own two hands. Maybe this one. She did not. No, she's not like, get get me Mina's order. I'm going to make her specifically. (laughs) Where's Mina's order? I must make it with my own two hands. No, she did not. And I have two of these. I have one right over there too that has a different inside color. Um, So don't drop it. You're so, oh my God. Please turn turn and use two hands. It's Um, when you put something over your head and you don't want to watch. (laughs) <laughs> Those things are so sold out. You will not be yeah, able to get another one. Though. But so, so let's just, I just want to share. She, she shared her story on the podcast. Yep. So we're just going to quickly, she was a top 1% of Etsy. This was a side hustle for her. When she did her pottery, it was a, she had a full-time job and it was a side hustle. And she grew the business on Etsy because they, we started this. Etsy gives you access to other people, right? It sells, they have their own customers they bring in. And then as she grew it and grew it and grew it and eventually decided, you know what, this is working. She left her full-time job. She decided that she could like take the leap. Etsy was generating enough revenue. It was not the kind of business she has now, but it was enough for her to believe Mm -hmm. in herself enough to take the leap. She's built it. She scaled it. She grew her demand. She grew her demand. Now she has a brand right? So but even she couldn't if, keep up with the demand. So yeah. when all of you, cause another objection people had were like, well, I have a full-time job. I can't possibly make more. Well, there's two things there, right? She left her full-time job and did it all herself until which she wanted to do until she could hire somebody, another maker, another pottery person that she could train in her essence, like in the way that she makes her stuff and teach them. She sells $200, $300, $400, $500 bowls. So if anyone out here says, I just don't trust someone else to make this, she's mm-hmm. making heirloom quality, very expensive 
pottery that she's actually has such a demand wholesale and said, can't sell to you wholesale, only, only going to sell to direct to consumer has Mm -hmm. 20 makers that work for her. So now she's employing makers. They are Mm -hmm. in the essence. So what does she get to do? She gets to design. She gets to make the first piece. She gets to be creative. She gets to be like, yeah. you know what? I'm she inspired with what earrings. she wants to do. Actually, yeah. I actually had her earrings on. I didn't realize it's going to be Susan well, this Gordon is a Susan Pottery Gordon episode. Morning. So because Valentine's Day is coming up, I wore my Valentine's Day ones. But since I talk a lot with my hands and stuff, it was jingling and I was afraid it was going to get in the microphone. Anyways, super cute, right? That's yeah. So Grace mm-hmm. says, as a buyer, I want to support the maker owner, but I don't care if they actually make it. As a seller, I don't want to make anything besides the prototype anymore. So that's the thing that we want you to kind of overcome this objection in your head. I know you like to make. I know mm-hmm. you like to be creative. No one is telling you that you do not have to continue to be creative. Molly is not making those cupcakes. She's Anytime not making this- the hundreds and hundreds of cupcakes. <laughs> But she may be. She thinking, originated the idea of the, or she, she has makes the recipes moment. actually yeah. probably. Uh-huh. Maybe she's home with her kids and music's playing mm-hmm. and sunlight's coming through her window. And, and she's like, okay, my business is over there and I'm not baking the hundreds and hundreds of cupcakes. But you know what? I'm mm-hmm. inspired to make a banana chocolate recipe. Mm-hmm. So let me just whip this up and try it. And she has fun and joy in the creation. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you know what? But I'm going to put this into let's the Let's back up a little bit here too. Because Molly knows what sells. This is why I admire this Molly person that I don't even know, is that she knows all day long that banana peanut butter doesn't sell as well as her peach cobbler. Even in January in Iowa weather, right? Peach cobbler is still on the menu. So understanding that she she got to know her customers, her sales, and she didn't have to be the one who did all the making and she gets to work with recipes with the sunlight coming in, music playing, like what Jacqueline said. But that's not just her only her job. Her her other job is to keep the engine running too. So she knows that if she gets to know her numbers, she gets to know what her customers want, then she can keep that running and her team keeps it running. And she gets to do whatever she wants to do. So the objection here is that, and, and listen, if you're an artist, if you're an artist and you paint actual art. True. You may need to paint the art, but even Michelangelo had help on the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo did not paint the entire Sistine Chapel with his own two hands. He had apprentices. No, he had apprentices too. (laughs) All of the big artists that we know had apprentices. It's not to say like a single painting wasn't painted by that person, but at some point they actually might have someone lay down the the wash, right? Uh Or set up their paints or get the model in to do whatever they need them to do. And so, and we're, we work in multi-street machines. Some of our students are one of a kind artists. Well, we're teaching them how to teach the people who work for them. Well, like our masterminders, because that's who we, we work with closely, but how to teach in their essence to execute part of the work, to scale part of it. How can we make processes easier? Do you have to do it all? Or can you teach someone how to, I don't know, lay down the background paint, right? Like you sketch Mm -hmm. it, they lay down the background paint, they handle the drying, and then they bring it back to you for the finishing details. So there is this realm of possibility that you haven't fully thought out. Even remember the canvas, the moving canvas woman that we met in Dell. There's this woman who sells 
We were on the panel with her. So she sells that, that like yarn art. Oh, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. Lauren something art. Williams. Williams. Lauren Williams art. Boom. She has over 100,000 followers, if not maybe 200,000 now. She created this method of making this art. Dyeing She's, yarn, essentially. Looks, yeah, it's $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 a piece. You can mm-hmm. commission her. Um I have seen her. I see the art. She has a team that helps her hang the stuff, right? So she's like, okay, I want to do like an 18 wide, whatever. And maybe they're going to hang all the rope. And then she does the dip dyeing. And then they, I've seen her and another person trimming it towards each other. So there mm-hmm. are parts of her business, even though she is an artist and it, it's Lauren Williams art that she is still not doing everything herself. Yeah. Okay. Imagine a chef even, right? A chef has a sous chef, but if you are the head chef of any restaurant, you get to come up with the recipes. You get to come up with what's on the menu. You get to come up with the seasonality that's in your menu and the foods and how everything is laid out. But are you chopping your own onions? Oh, heck no, you aren't. You know, are you- Are you washing the dishes? No, no. Are you um, butchering the, the meat to, you know- get it ready? No, you aren't. You're not even doing uh, broth basis. You know, like when you do a, like, let's say it's like a stock, you're not doing those stocks. Somebody else is doing the stock. And then on top of that, you're teaching your line people, your um, line Line cooks, cooks. and you're teaching them the recipes. The whole staff tastes the recipes. You get to make the final tweaks in it. And then you put it into basically production when it goes into the menu. And are you cooking every one of those? No, you are not. Are you, you telling me your staff that Wolfgang Puck <laughs> does not make everything when I go to his restaurant no. and the frozen pizzas you could buy at the grocery store? <laughs> no, no, he is not. He Wolfgang? Is not. <laughs> I know we're making light of it, but. I just want you all to think of other situations in which you have heard yeah. of namesakes, in which you maybe have eaten at a fancy restaurant, artist, the Sistine Chapel, and think they did not do it all only by themselves. And so I want to move to another objection okay. or um, thing that, okay. they, that people say is, I can't grow my handmade business because I have a full-time job. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I have a full time job. There's not possibly enough time to do all the things. The time constraint, which is why last week's workshop was about time, comes up in a lot of ways. Whether you're manufacturing, whether you're making, however, whether you're a retail yeah. shop and you're just and buying. Say yes in the comments for people who have said this to themselves, because we hear this all the time. If you say to yourself in it, you feel stuck, right? Because these are objections that are in your mind that keep you stuck, right? I cannot possibly grow my business because I have dot, 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 a full-time job, whatever it is. I don't have enough time in the day. Right. Well, why do you not have enough time in the day? It's going to go back to needing to get help in some way or another. It's going to get go back to needing to block out your time. What we realize and the successful businesses that we see grow and the ones that we see stuck have these objections that we're talking about, have these mindset things, and they they have all the reasons why it's not going to work for them, right? It worked for Susan Gordon Pottery, but it's not going to work for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then what needs to get worked on? So tomorrow, especially in the scaling, um, the Maker's Guide to Scaling, is that what it's called tomorrow specifically? Yeah, Maker's Guide to Maker's Scaling. Guide Though to scaling. it's for everybody, we did put yes. makers because makers tend to be the ones we have to chip away at the longest. <laughs> 
It's just a mindset but it's thing. For, even if you're a manufacturer, retailer, brick and mortar, one of a kind artist, you know, any type of person that has a product-based business, it's for you. Even though we named so, it the Maker's Guide to Scale. Imagine you go to your work during the day, right? You're there, but maybe you've outsourced a portion of what you make to somebody else, a stay-at-home mom that you could train, um, somebody who is doesn't need to have a full-time job and that you could pay them for labor to make things for you while you're at work. So when you come home, you get to spend time with your family. You get to spend time thinking of strategy. You get to spend time learning. You get to spend time marketing and selling. If you want to make stuff, if you're like, okay, they're going to do X, they're going to label all of my jars because I'm going to pay them 25 cents a jar. Can you afford Mm -hmm. 25 cents a jar? You can. So then they're all, they're labeling all your jars and they bring you back the jars. And every Saturday you pour your candles. I know I go back to candles, Mm -hmm. but it's just an easy thing. So Saturday you pour your candles and then during the week you work on your visibility and you work on your sales. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is, is like, is, is you can work with your time better. You can outsource things. That's, and we're going to talk about what you can outsource tomorrow, but you can outsource time. You can outsource jobs. You can outsource components where Mm -hmm. again, it doesn't have to be your own two hands. And then on top of that, some people are like, I don't want to teach other people because they'll steal my ideas and do what I do. Anyone feel that way? There is so many people that don't want to do what you do. They don't want to run a business. They don't want the worries of what you do. They just want to do what they do, right? There's, and I want you to get this into your brain. Everybody has seasons in their life, right? Seasons in their life. So for, for myself and Jacqueline, the, it was a really hard season when our kids were younger, right? Even more so now. I mean, then there's the teenage years coming up. And then for businesses, there's seasons as well. Seasons where you're thriving and seasons where it's harder. So when you think about that, like the people that I've hired, for example, is my brother-in-law who's a stay-at-home dad because this is his season where he's a stay-at-home dad, right? He doesn't want to run a business, you know? So you get to hire who you want to hire, but there's in life, we it's not just about us, you know? People want to stay at home with their kids. People want to, grandparents want to retire and they want some side money, right? Somebody wants to only fulfill boxes and, and, you know, in their fringe hours when they are not with their, I don't know, family. They may not want to worry about sales. They may not want to worry about tax bills. They may not want to worry. They just want a job that you pay them. Here's the thing though. Or they're a young person. Like they're in high school or college, right? But what's the worst that's going to happen if they do learn from you? What is, you know, as a fashion designer working for other companies as a designer and getting my experience. So when I was a lingerie and swimwear designer, you know, they had us sign this like non-compete that we couldn't, yeah, I that I couldn't go somewhere else. Well, you could technically go to court and not hold that up because if I am a designer for swimwear and lingerie, I can't get hired anywhere else after mm-hmm. unless I'm a swimmer designer and lingerie, right? But it's, so you could do a non-compete agreement, but here's what I want to tell you. It could be more of a NDA, like a non-disclosure mm-hmm. with a non-compete part to it. You know, don't, you can't take my customers. You can't take my whatever, if you really want to protect yourself. But, but a lot of you, I'm going to say this with love. It's not that big of a deal. Most of you have 
like unless you're inventing something, right? Like there's something proprietary mm-hmm. there. Let them do a candle company. Let them make a jewelry company. But you could have yeah. some sort of protection Which, in the beginning. If there's prepare, proprietary. Obviously, you know, even outside the legalities, right? Non-disclosure, non-compete, all that stuff. I mean, this is exactly why Jacqueline and I say there's room at the top for all of us. They'll, they are their own person, right? You are your own person. So the way they'll do things, the way they'll run things, the way they present themselves to the world, the way their audience connects with them, honestly has nothing to do with you, right? You may have taught them a skill here or there, but it's usually comes down to that person, how it translates out into the world, you know? Because we've all gone to the same schools. We've all taken the same classes. We've all, you know, all of you listen to the same podcast and none of you translates it in the same sort of way, right? You don't get the same sort of things as the exactly the same things as the person next to you. Even if you're in the same business, husbands and wives that work together don't even get the same sort of, there's a whole different dynamic when they're in the masterminds with us. They pick up on different things. Okay, we're just gonna interrupt this episode for a second because we have a really important question for you, Product Boss. Have you ever noticed how some people in the product space are just known for something? It's like their customers know exactly what to seek them out for because their products stand out that much. Think Juicy Couture track suits or Nike running shoes or even Nespresso coffee machines. Meanwhile, you feel like you're cranking out products left and right, but nothing is landing. Am I right? Well, we have a little secret to let you in on. Successful product bosses know that in order to truly scale their business, they have to focus on what's working. It's not about making more products and throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that something sticks. It's about being known for something and going all in on those products. Wondering how to do that? Well, we're here to help. This is exactly what we've helped thousands of students do in our free bestseller secrets challenge. And we'd love for you to join us inside of it. We're going to help you uncover your best sellers so that you can go deep instead of wide and maximize your opportunities that are already right in front of you. So guess what? No more doing all the things to grow your sales, no more endlessly creating products and no more guessing and wondering what your audience will buy. It is time to tap into your best revenue opportunities. It is 2022. Let's lean into what's working in your business so you can stop doing all of the things. We want to invite you to join this free challenge that starts Monday, February 14th. That's right. Valentine's Day. We're going to spend it with you. So head to bestsellersecretschallenge.com and you can get signed up for free right there. Again, head to bestsellersecretschallenge.com and we'll see you inside. Somebody said non-disclosure for recipes. Sure. But it could be an NDA in general, Mm -hmm. right? It could be part of your hiring process. And there could be an NDA that says the proprietary information learned here is ours, right? Like like you were working and this is... Like I couldn't leave Cosa Bella and knock off their their lingerie and start sourcing from their places. Like they could have... You know, that, that was not the right thing to do. So if you feel like you want the protection... Sure. Yeah. But there has to be an element of if you're going to expand your world, I, I'm always about protecting. Like, I, you know, I handle the legal in our business. Like, there's always that. But 
also you have to have trust and you have to just keep growing and not worry about it because as you keep growing, they're starting from here, right? Mm -hmm. You keep growing. So if you feel like you need that protection, sure. But I want you to kind of get over that. The other thing people say is they don't want employees. None of you have to hire an employee. You can hire 1099 contractors to do this Mm -hmm. for you, right? So you, and PayPal, by the way, does 1099s for people. So if you want to pay somebody through PayPal, Mm-hmm. And you pay them as a business to business or a, not for like a friend or family member, but the other option. Mm-hmm. PayPal over $600 will do the 1099. So you don't even need to have your bookkeeper do it. So you can then say, you can, and other people are like, I don't know where to find people. Well, have you asked? Hey, yeah. I got this candle company. I need help. Could you put labels on a jar? Yes. Yeah, you ask. You start with perhaps your neighbors or your neighbor's kids or whatever it is. Let's say you don't want to do anything with your neighbors. Let's that's me, right? Raise my hand. However, I say neighbors you know, like community. Yeah, like not community like community locally, door. right? Yeah. So you put it out there because then through osmosis, they're not gonna know, hey, my you know, brothers, you know, my cousin's brother's son is looking for work. That's not gonna come to you like that. You actually yeah, have sure. to, you have to go looking for that help. But also you can hire seasonally, right? So this is not a permanent decision by any means. You don't have to hire an employee, have to have them for a life. You could hire a seasonal contractor to begin with, right? So you're dipping your toe into it a little bit and you're you're getting, you know, used to the idea of growing. So I wanted to go into that particular frame of mind of somebody not stopping themselves from growing because they don't want to share their ideas. That is at the root of it called scarcity thinking, right? You have scarcity because you think that that idea can only be taken by you. Whereas the flip side of that is the abundance mindset where it's a growth mindset where there's it there's no limit to it, right? So even if somebody were to take that idea, bring it to market, they're doing it in that sort of way. And there's room literally at the top for all of us because they have their own customers. You have your own customers. It's not a limited bucket of people, right? Those you're not thinking of it. Okay. This is a limited bucket of people. They only will buy one candle for their entire life. And then it's just like, oh, if they, if I give them, you know, my idea, they'll take my customers. That is at the core scarcity, right? So side note, we are not the only business podcast out there. We're not the only podcast that Mm -hmm. talks about products. We're the only ones that do it our way though. Correct. (laughs) We also are not the only ones that sell a course, but, or, or challenges. But when we started, we did, we looked around and we said, okay, there's a need in the market. And we just put our blinders on and we kept going forward. And not only that, you could call these, some of the podcasts that help product people our competition, but at least in the podcast world, we actually swap. So we've been on other podcasts that are for makers, for product people, for gifts, for stationery. We've, we've collaborated with other mm-hmm. people that serve product people, and it has only helped us all grow. And that's what we even see in our mastermind. Do you know how many candle companies we have in our mastermind? We actually now have a candle company in our mastermind that does the supplies for candle companies. <laughs> it's amazing. Makers for makers. Makers no, for no. makers. Um, that, yeah, that, I was going to say, is that her saying? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, I did get that. Um, and so the cool thing about that, right, is like, and and when things were running out, our our masterminders were like, hey, you know, there's no jars. Oh, I get my jars from here. They weren't like, don't take my jars. Yeah. 
It's Porter Supply Co., by the way, if you guys. Oh, yeah. If you're a candle maker and you want some great, uh, she does amazing, like, high-end oils and scents and and coconut Yeah, fragrances. So it's all done by, like, perfumers. And she does fragrances, yeah, for, like, she calls it bougie hotel smells. But (laughs) so if you need some supplies, we got got somebody for you. Porter Supply Co. She's great, someone said. Yeah. So... So I, so just think of it this way. And someone said, I, and another thing is, is I can't afford to hire help. I can't afford to hire someone. Well, there are parts of your business that you actually can. When you start to scale, now, when you're starting and you don't have a lot of sales, you are still going to probably be making everything yourself. But are you making too many things? Are you making just for making sake, right? Like, are you like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm the maker. So I feel artsy today and I'm going to make, you know, 50 different, different types of necklaces. And I'm just going to sit here and make them, but I have no time. I work all day. I've got kids, but I'm sitting in my studio, just making stuff. That's another portion of use wasting your time, right? You don't have focus. You're not coming in with a strategy. It's the same Mm. amount of time we spend on social where we're just like scrolling, but we say, Oh my gosh, we don't have any time. Well, it's how are you spending your time? What are you focusing on? And that's definitely something next week at the workshop next week, we're going to help you do because I know your creatives and maybe once a week you go and you live your best creative life. But the other days need to be strategic. If yeah. you sell jewelry and you know necklaces are your bestseller and chunky necklaces with a large pendant are your bestseller, whether they're one of a kind or the same piece, you spend your time making those and selling the heck out of those. Mm -hmm. That's what Bestseller Secrets Challenge is going to teach you. We're going to teach you how to figure it out and what to do because you might just be being busy to be busy. Yeah. Not to move your business forward. And so you're coming up with these excuses. I can't afford to hire anyone because it can't sell. Well, are you figuring out what sells and how you sell them? And then, and then, or I don't have enough time. Well, what are you spending your time on. There's no yeah. excuse for creatives, whether some people are like, oh, ADD brain, or, you know, I'm a creative and my mind's in all Yeah. Organized chaos, chaos, for yeah. example, is one of the excuses. When you want to be better at something, even being better as a creative, if you're a real artist, if you're a real illustrator, if you're a real creative, you still have to learn basic skills, time management, money management, mind management, right? And so I think sometimes we're like, oh, we take such a stock in the fact that I'm a creative and it means that I'm disorganized. Well, the most successful, the most creative people I know understand how to harness their time. They understand how to harness their creative powers, right? They Because the world is the world. We are human. We're not going to be motivated all the time. So it's not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to wait till the sun is shining just right. And I'm going to wait until you know, I I get the sign that Mina, you're creative today, you know, and the birds are singing. No, the most, the most high level artists, the most creative artists, (laughs) the most creative artists. Shot fired today by JNM. (laughs) Consistently work on their craft, their superpower. They do things when they are unmotivated so they can grow when they are motivated, Right. And listen, I get it. And when you get those, those, those moments of creativity where you're like, oh, I gotta just, I gotta just do it. Whether it's, I mean, I get that and it has nothing oh, yeah, to do yeah. anymore. Yeah. You can harness that. And that's sometimes that you can expand it. Right. 
And being messy is fine. Like this room, you should, I mean, it's organized chaos in this room. Don't even look at this room. I had to look, lift things up to find the headphones. (laughs) But if you want your, your, the excuse that you're making, you're making an excuse versus Mm -hmm. if I really want this business to grow, I promise each and every one of you, you can grow your business without you feeling like you can't spend time with your family, without you feeling like you're going to be chained to your studio all the time, without you feeling mm-hmm. like I can't afford to ever hire anyone. You can, but you just have to start to shift your mindset a bit into, okay, these are objections. These are excuses I'm coming up with. Why? Mm-hmm. Why am I afraid of success? Why am I afraid of growing? I don't know that I could ever do it, right? A lot mm-hmm. of you are like- I have one more too that leads into that that I want to address I one more. I was going to say it works for them, but not for me. What's yes. Mine was won't work for me. Write yes. Look at us. So this like one's brains really like- important. Won't work for me because this is when you don't have your blinders on. That's the root of this one. You don't have your blinders on. You're looking at somebody. It worked for them. Well, guess what? There's things that will work for you that won't work for them too. Right? So flip it for yourself. Right? There, Jacqueline and I can do the exact same thing. There, believe it or not, there's things that will work for me, for her, that won't work for me. Yes, true. But there's things that will work for me that won't work for her, right? See the other side of the coin. The other part of that too is that I hate the saying that almost doesn't count. You better freaking believe almost counts. It's because almost is when people do stuff and then they somewhat, like people think of it as failure, right? Because they're like, oh, I almost did it. But the thing is, is that it actually is super advantageous because the next time you try again or you tweak it or, you know, get to try to go beyond almost doesn't count, it doesn't stop you, then you end up learning from that experience, right? But sometimes people are like, almost doesn't count. I failed. I'm not going to try it again. That's why I hate that saying is because it's like it has to be perfect or something you know, but almost does count because every time you almost do something, you will learn something, right? So that's kind of my take on the whole thing is like, there's a lot of people that say it won't work for me. Well, I'm sure that's true. That is a hundred percent true. But what are the things that you're learning from that worked for you or almost worked for you that you can take out into the world that probably didn't work for other people? And let go of that thought that I have X happening in my life. I have this, I do this, I'm this. Uh-huh. Um, Rachel Dunn is here. She has a special needs son. She's talked about this. And, and a she, full-time job. And a full-time job. And she has doubled, quadrupled her business, like making jewelry. So whenever we want to come up with the reason it's not going to work for us, it is, it is your mind is why it's not going to work for you your thought that it's not going to work for you. What if you change that thought to, I'm going to try it and see what happens. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. You fail, you learn, you try it again. Life is full of all of, life is full of life, mm-hmm. right? Life is going to keep knocking us down and we're going to have to keep rebuilding and starting again. So you try something in your business and it doesn't work. You try yeah. it again. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying mortgage your house and take out money and like, 
you know, I, I remember a client of mine wanted Bloomingdale's approached her to buy her product and, or her, her clothes. And they were like, you know, the amount of money she would have to front to sell the Bloomingdale. She's like, I'd have to take out a second mortgage on my house. Okay. Well, that was not the right move for her then because she didn't have the cash flow. It wasn't set up. It wasn't yeah. something that she fully believed in. Okay. Don't do that. Cause that's a fail that's going to like affect in a bigger way. Yeah. And plus she should consult a business coach like you before which, she did which anything said, that she let's did. Not, let's not yeah. go there. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, that is a high risk thing. Is yeah. it, if it's you spending $2,000 to do something big, like if you, if, you know, if you decide that you're going to jump into the multi-stream machine and learn from it, if you're going to invest in a machine, if you're going to invest in buying bulk of a wax, because you're going to get it cheaper, let's do that. I promise you, you could make $2,000 back if you work towards selling and and focusing and scaling, right? So let's get rid of that. It's not going to work for me. What if you just change that to, well, I'm going to try and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of times people have circumstances. Always. That's life. Like Jacqueline said, things knock you down. And I will tell you, you know, there's always somebody that has it harder than you. There's always somebody, but there's also somebody who's already done it too. Mm -hmm. So the difference is commitment level, you know? So some people have it hard, but they don't allow themselves. They just commit the time to it. They commit the money to it. They commit the motive, you know, not doing things when they feel motivated, but they commit the consistency to it. Right. So it's a, it's a different level of commitment because you're like, I'm not going to allow myself any excuses, especially it won't work for me because I know that I can make it work for me. Yeah. And so you do it. You make it work for you. It's going to look different than the other person that it worked for. Believe me, but because it will be your version. All of us here have a different life. We all have a different lifestyle. We all live in different places with different temperatures, right? We have someone here in Nigeria we have mm -hmm. people in Wisconsin and Alaska. We have people in South America, the UK. You know, we have pe different people from all places with different lives, with different responsibilities, with, with different things happening, right? And each of us are on our own track, on our own course to build the lives that we want and our businesses are the vehicle to get us there. So what do you want out of your life? What kind of life do you want? If you want to grow your product business and you want it to be a thing that generates revenue that takes you out of your full-time job or that adds to, you know, you could do it on the, as a side hustle and make extra money for vacations, like whatever it is that you want, let that be what you want, but get out of your own way, please, please mm -hmm. get mm -hmm. out of your own way. Cause yeah. you're the only one stopping yourself. Yep. Okay. So it's really, and I love like people are like, oh, you're calling me out over here. But it's just, it's the mindset stuff. And so much of growing businesses, no matter if you're making $100, $2,000, $200,000 a month, whatever it is. And we work with people making $200,000 a month, product-based yeah. businesses. They also have mindset things that keep them somewhere. And we have to overcome those to get to whatever the next breakthrough is, whatever the next level is. Okay. Uh -huh. So don't it's think uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. And especially makers that are very attached to the identity of being a maker or creative and feeling like it has to be yours. It doesn't have to be 
fully fleshed out by you because you will not be able to keep up with demand and then you will not be able to grow. So ultimately Mm -hmm. you're in this cycle of if you want your business to make more money, you want to be able to do things with that money that you make, you want to be able to grow, but you're not allowing for that growth to happen. That's why a lot of you have been doing this for two years, five years, 10 years, and you feel stuck because you haven't lifted that lid for yourself yet. Mm -hmm. Or you feel like it's more comfortable, right? So lots lots of people are like, "I I can feel the resistance right now, right? So it's like, okay, but I... I, I, they feel more comfortable being the messy maker. Anyone right? here still feel like resistant to this? You're like, to be completely honest. Like, yeah, I hear what right. you're saying, but yeah. yeah, but people are supposed to be messy, right? Yeah, totally. I get it, you know, but it's the holding on to the comfort of messy maker. Ver- and I'm not saying you have to be organized. I'm saying that I want you to move over to the identity of money making maker. Can you move over to money-making maker? You know, I know it's uncomfortable. Somebody has said that they, and I love this. She rented a gym. I love how creative this idea was. She rented a space in a gym for a month-long basis as a trial where she's going to do pop-up shop on Saturdays when the gym has no classes and it isn't being used. So she's using a space. Now, I want to ask you, are you going to be bringing your own traffic? What if nobody shows up, right? So I know this is really scary, especially as a maker, right? So you run to the space. Now, are you going to be inviting people? Are you going to be showing up on social media? What are you going to be selling? Are you going to be gathering emails? You know, so then let's say nobody shows up. Are you going to be recording yourself there so you can at least use the content later on? What are some things that you can pull and learn from it if nobody shows up, which might be your worst case scenario, right? But it's okay if nobody shows up because there's still things that you could do, right? You could use the content. You could show what you're doing. You could crop out the photo. You could use the space as like a, a showroom and be and start doing videos that you can post later on in social media or in, you know, wherever it is, right? Because, you know, then you have a, a cleaner backdrop or a place to do it. So that's my question is, when things aren't going how they planned out to be, what can you do where you're not automatically, well, this wasn't meant for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people are saying, you know, can I be a messy moneymaker? Yes. No one said you have to be tidy. A hundred percent. That's what I am. But there's, <laughs> you should say that I literally have so many boxes everywhere of things that we receive, things that I've ordered. I mean, it's just boxes on boxes around here. But that's what the, the, the thing that I'm holding on to, right, is that I can still make money despite all of this. Now, I can't make money because of this. Okay. Or, or that I don't know enough about business or that I'm not good at all of these are excuses. You were literally here. You've literally, you found a business podcast. You listen to podcasts. Okay. That already, the, the, the average listener of podcasts is a, is a very specific type of person. Not everyone listens to podcasts. Okay. So that's one thing that you're already getting educated. You're showing up here live. You come to our mm-hmm. free workshops and our challenges. A lot of you are students in multi-stream machine. So anyone that said someone over here said, just trying to figure out how to make more money, that's Lovejoy Workshop. Not sure if you're in multi-stream machine, but like literally we created this course, this program, this implementation program that what is what it does is the very, very first module is your path to profit. So your very first module is what do I 
want to do for my business. Not what Mina wants to do, not what this business over here wants to do, but what do I want to do? What path do I want for profit for my business? Because it's profit, right? It's not just revenue. Because if you're not profitable, we're just being busy. So then you get to choose your path that will make you money and keep you sane and shortcut it for you. Love Joy Workshop says no, but I want in. Well, the doors are opening in just a couple of weeks. So any of mm-hmm. you that want to be in, come to these workshops. You'll get first access. We're going to be giving away a first 200 bonus to those of you that are in the workshop. So there's going to be this extra, extra bonus that you don't get. And what types of businesses does this work for? Start and Family Crystals is asking all product-based businesses. It doesn't work for drop shippers. We have some MLM direct sellers in there, but really it's for retailers. It's for manufacturers. It's for makers. It's for people who have physical products that can control their inventory, mm-hmm. that can take their it's own for custom one of a kind. Mm-hmm. It's for anybody who has a physical good. So makers, handmade businesses, custom one of a kind. We have some illustrators and artists in there. We have bakers. We have food product businesses. We have startups all the way to multi-million dollar businesses. So we have like a $4 million business that has it because they want to, she wanted to make sure she had her systems in place. For example, we have people who have full-time jobs. We have side hustlers. We have, but everybody has a physical good. We have retailers and brick and mortar. So like Jacqueline said, there's some multi-level marketing people in there that are direct sellers. Usually it's because they bought it because they intend to have a product of their own. So they're skill building, mm-hmm. Right. And they're getting the knowledge that they need to have. Same with the drop shippers and print on demand doesn't work as well with those because of you not having control of your good. But a lot of people do buy multi-stream machine because they intend to get their own product that they have more control of and they have their own inventory. And that's why we have a lot of those people in there as well. Yeah. MNC Candle Co. said, I grew from $2,000 in Q4 2020 to 15000 in Q4 2021 by doing multi-stream machine. That's amazing. Can we grab That's... that um, <laughs> yeah. or, or send that right. as a DM to us? I swear but... we don't plant the candle people in there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because like... we speak of candles, we bring candles. I know, right? Um, we attract candles or something. <laughs> it's because it was something that really did grow um, yeah. during COVID especially. But from t- like how many people here as a handmade candle company would say $2,000 in one year then in the next, okay, December, 2020, $2,000, December, 2021, $15,000. Anyone else want mm-hmm. that? And MNC Candle Co., do you feel going back through it now to grow more this year? Do you feel as a maker, do you feel overwhelmed? Like your, your mindset that you had back in 2020 to 2021, like before you took the leap into multi-stream machine, do you, did you overcome some of that? Did you realize that you could grow your business? Did you know, you and confidence. That, mm-hmm. Did you make choices without having to figure it out? Amanda Lee said $18,000 to $80,000 after multi-stream machine. And I she mean, did not feel. Who would want $18,000 to go to 80,000? That's crazy. That's amazing. Good for um, you, Amanda. I'm going to start selling candles. <laughs> dancing in <laughs> studio. No, Amanda Lee does not sell candles. So. <laughs> no, Amanda Lee doesn't. She does prints. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? So if I were to tell you that if you invested in yourself, okay, so let's let's do this. So we're talking about $2,000 a month. Anyone else making $2,000 a month? Now, what if I told you that you could take $2,000, invest that into yourself, and then in a year have an $80,000 business. 
$2,000 into yourself. And in $2,000 a month, we're not asking you to invest $2,000 a month. One time, $2,000. One time. And then a year later, do the math here, everybody. You would have a $15,000 month. And that's not including all the other months, right? Someone said here, 2020 was slow. 2021, I made roughly around $6,000. I need to hunker down and do more with MSM. And then MNC Candle Company said yes and yes. So not overwhelmed, felt more clear. I'm ready to dig in deeper and can't wait for tomorrow's workshop. So Mm. what's the math? Don't ask us what the math is. (laughs) So we said $2,000 and instead you got $80,000 back. Did yeah. you say 80? Was would that you what take, you said? If you invested $2,000 in yourself, would you take $78,000 back? Like if we were like invest 2,000 and you can make 80,000, that's 78,000 more dollars. Mm-hmm. You could easily pay that back. Here, I um, hope Alex- that nobody's thinking about that because yes. that is a definite no brainer. <laughs> Do the math. Anyway. <laughs> um, Alexandria says the most I made in a month before I joined multi-stream machine in September was a thousand dollars. Wait for this. I did $10,000 this month. Five that's figure from, freaking month. No turning back now. That's September, September, October, November, December, January in four months. That's a 10 times, 10 times. Good job, Alexandria. 10 times this month. Okay. And that's from a thousand to 10,000 in Mm -hmm. four months. So if we were to tell you in just a couple of weeks when the doors open to MSM, it's, you know, it's an investment, let's say of $2,000, but then you could be like Alexandria where you're only, you're just trying and trying, you're making a thousand dollars a month, a thousand dollars a month. And then in four months you wake up and you're like, holy moly, I made 10 grand this month. Mm -hmm. You're not even looking back at that 2k. You're like, (laughs) Best 2K ever spent. Yeah. Because usually I we've had people, for example, that are that pay for multi-stream machine. They're like, oh my gosh, this is a because makers, another thing, they don't invest in them in themselves. They just don't. It's a hard hurdle. But when they do, obviously it's scary because anything you try that's new is scary. And then it ends up being, you know, t- what four months later, ten thousand or four months later, at least you gain the knowledge and made your money back, you know? So it's just an amazing thing to see. I love seeing people stretch themselves. So multi-shoe machine works for custom. It works for personalized. Uh, Pet paintings by Nicole is custom pet portraits for dogs on vans, jackets, and canvas, right? And that's Mm -hmm. just somebody that we know closely. There are a lot of makers. There are bakers and food companies in there. There are retail shops. There are people who have, you know, mobile retail. Hmm. There are people who manufacture their products. There are makers. There are people who want to scale. There are people who don't. It just makes it easier because how Hmm. many of you feel like you've been trying this for so long and you just want it to be easier, right? Like I want it to be, we just want business to be easier. And that's why our course is not something where it's like, we're going to give you these general ideas and good luck. If you think about our podcast and the workshop style of it, we break it down into implementation. Mina's rebuilding the Amazon module right now because things have updated. Let's not stress this for Nobody out. talk about it. <laughs> but the thing is, I want to keep it. I'm updating the Amazon module. So for all of you that are in there right now, you get access, you get lifetime access, so you'll get to it. But I want to keep it really simple. That's the thing that we we want action taking. We want snack size action. So redoing the Amazon module, keeping it snack size still, of let's chip away at the Amazon thing is is what my goal is ultimately. 
Yeah. So Uh that's opening, you know, if you're come to these workshops, there's going to be a first 200 bonus where the first 200 of you that sign up um, are going to get this amazing extra bonus, which is going to help you with selling on social media. It's just, it's incredible. And we can't make this up. We can't make up Alexandria that made a thousand dollars a month and in four months has made made 10,000 this month, right? It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And we're so proud of you. So yeah. snack size Sassy. Amazon. I'm just saying it's one of the things that one of the um, teachers, not the teachers, the coaches that we had a long time ago, she said, if you want people to take action, you have to make it small actions like snack size. So anytime that I am recreating or teaching or coaching, I always think of that, make it a snack size action. It just means a small action right? Mm-hmm. Like eating snacks because that's the best, right? Who doesn't love snacks? So now that I'm redoing this Amazon module, I go with, you know, is it a small enough action where people will take the action so they can get the results? So just to give you an idea of when the way that Jack and I teach is for you to take action, but you don't have to do this giant thing all at once, right? You're doing it in a way that it feels very easy to execute. So we're keeping it simple, seller. Mm-hmm. And you always get the updates. Yes. If you join MSM, you always get the updates. And there is a yeah. bonus of, it is an implement, do it yourself implementation program, but there is a bonus for all of our, our new class of 2022 that Mina and I will be doing two live Q&A calls. There's so many bonuses, so many bonuses. So just stick with us. Well, friends, I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you want to hang out with us live, join us every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern over at our Facebook page or Instagram. And if you want to hear the whole show, click on the link in our show notes and we'll see you over there. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the product boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop One in Five Pledge and Small Business Shopping Directory. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. So head to shoponeinfive.com to take the pledge. And friend, while you are there, check out and shop from hundreds of small businesses in the Small Business Shopping Directory. It's the go-to directory to discover, support, and shop small businesses all in one place. Head to shop1in5.com.